are listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Trisha Brown, and this is episode 361.5. And if you're thinking, who are you and what have you done with all of the hosts I know and love? Fair enough. I am actually new to the Backlist Club, but I've been co-hosting Book Riot's Win and Romance podcast for the last three or four years with the wonderful Jess Pride. Uh, I love doing that show. And also, I'm very excited to be here to get to talk about some of the other genres that I love in other books in those genres. So for example, today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a couple of nonfiction Backlist titles. More specifically, They're both books about the political cultural landscape in the U.S. And even more specifically, they're books about books about that landscape. So we will do that in just a minute. But before we do, let's thank our All the Backlist sponsors. Okay, so a little background. For me, understanding the social policy landscape in the U.S. is not just an interest. It is also my professional and educational background. I actually just moved back to Washington State after 15 years or so of living and working in Washington, D.C. Like, I literally moved last month. I am recording this surrounded by U-Haul boxes. They are mostly full of books, which I'm guessing that you can probably relate to if you are listening to this podcast. Anyway, the issues impacting people and particularly vulnerable populations on a daily basis is hugely important to me. Uh, And I've come to learn that for better or worse, the discourse around those issues and how people in politics and media approach them is also really important. So today we're going to talk about a couple of those books. I'm realizing it sounds like both of them are going to be very intense and downers, but actually they're not. Both are very quick and engaging reads. I will also say that even though both of them are largely focused on U.S. social political systems, all you have to do, unfortunately, is scan the news to see that a lot of these issues that are impacting us here in the U.S. are also playing out in elections, policies, and wars in other places as well. So hopefully, even if you are not a U.S. person, uh, you are still able to find something you're interested in. So, On that chipper note, let's talk about book number one. It is called What Were We Thinking? A Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era, and it's by Carlos Lozada. And if you are thinking that sounds like a very snarky title, uh, you're not wrong. But it is worth noting that in Lozada's book, this it's not really a rhetorical question, right? What are what were we thinking is something that he's genuinely trying to interrogate. Lazada is the Pulitzer Prize-winning nonfiction book critic for The Washington Post, in case his name sounds familiar. He's been doing that since 2015, and in his book, he is trying to interrogate the way everyone from journalists to historians to politicians to insiders who are kind of gossipy are assessing the quote-unquote Trump era of books, which um, for his purposes are roughly 2016 to mid-2020. He has read about 150 books in that time period, so published between 2016 and when his book was published in 2020. Um, It was published in October of 2020, so he gets the early parts of the COVID pandemic, but it does not include the presidential election. He breaks kind of all those books down into 10 chapters, 10 or 12 chapters that seem, at least to me, to fit pretty well into the ways that people are talking about society, politics, culture, all of those kinds of things in the U.S. right now. Some of the chapters are more directly tied to Trump. I think one of the stronger and more insightful chapters is one that he calls the Chaos Chronicles. You can probably imagine why, because it is about the stories related to the specific people and instances that made up the Trump presidency. Uh, That chapter also falls, I would say, most squarely in the 
Carlos read it so that we don't have to camp, which is made obvious by a quote that he pulls from Sean Spicer's book. I have to grab my e-reader so I can make sure I get it right. Spicer describes Trump as being so special that he is a unicorn riding a unicorn over a rainbow, which Lozada describes as, quote, an image more confusing than flattering, unquote. I think that is a generous description of that particular description of the former president. So anyway, other chapters are a little bit more amorphous, not quite as directly tied to Trump. They're more about his impacts on topics like truth and lies, particularly in media, the direction of the modern Republican Party, the Democratic you know, resistance. And there are even others that are a little further removed, focusing on things that Trump kind of intersects with, but are more about the era than the person. So those are topics like identity politics or the Me Too movement. Lozada stresses in his book, as well as the others, that it's not just important to talk about, you know, what did or didn't happen, whose fault it was, etc. Even though obviously, many of the specific actions and incidences are very damaging or toxic. But we also have to think a lot about the consequences and also trace sort of how did we get to this place? And what do a lot of these discussions mean for the road ahead? Even as a book critic, Lozada is not under any illusions that books will save us. Though you can tell that there are plenty of books that he admires in the titles that he's referencing. But he is pushing all of us as readers to interrogate the perspectives and the ways of thinking that are sort of written about in these books and that got us to this place as a culture and as a society. I will also say that it's a little bonkers that even though this book came out less than two years ago, some aspects of it, especially there's a chapter on Russian influence uh, in the 2016 election and kind of Russian presence in the world overall, as well as references to the COVID response that happened throughout the book that already feel a little dated. They're still very relevant, of course, but reading them very much feels like they are from longer ago than 19 months, I would say, roughly. Uh, the last thing I will say about this book is that it's short and readable. Uh, it's about 250, 270 pages, something like that. And it's okay if that means something to you. It's okay if you prefer to read a shorter book. I find there's something very satisfying about finishing a book and getting something out of it. The next book I'm going to talk about is actually even shorter. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but in the meantime, if you are interested in an interrogation of the books and ideas behind the books in our current political era, check out What Were We Thinking by Carlos Lozada. For a little bit more of a specific book about culture and the way that it's currently intersecting with politics in the U.S., the second book I'm going to talk about is What You Are Getting Wrong About Appalachia. It's by Elizabeth Catt. The title is pretty self-explanatory. It tells you a lot about it. But in case you are interested in a little more info, Kat talks a lot about what's missing in a lot of our current depictions, or I would say depictions over the last five or 10 years of Appalachia. She also talks about what has been getting assigned to Appalachia in terms of kind of responsibilities for where we are socially that we should all recognize is broader than one region of the country. So for example, she talks about how despite stereotypes, the quote, working class of Appalachia are much more likely to be dollar store employees or home health workers than coal miners. There are about 36,000 coal miners in Appalachia, which is a region of roughly 25 million people, and which includes counties from 13 states. Kat also talks a lot about the history of the region including things like the role of organized labor and how Appalachia came to be sort of, quote, othered in a way that we see now. 
She's clearly written the book as a response to an outpouring of books and think pieces analyzing the ascension of what we'd probably need to call Trumpism, and which looks to use Appalachia as a region and the like white working classness that has been assigned to Appalachia as an explanation. Kat obviously knows that the problem of erasing Black, Brown, and queer populations from Appalachia and the discourse around it is bigger than any one book or writer, but she does specifically address what I think we can call the elegy in the room throughout what you are getting wrong about Appalachia. My favorite, personally, is the last line of her introduction, in which she explains that the image of Appalachia that she knows and is describing, quote, won't be coming to a theater near you, courtesy of Ron Howard, and we're all the better for it, end quote. And particularly sitting on this side of the release of the movie she's referring to, I think we can all appreciate that line as sort of a chef's kiss of a bookish subtweet. Uh, even though it's less than 150 pages, in what you're getting wrong about Appalachia, Kat manages to pack in a lot of history. There's a lot about the dynamics of race, class, and poverty. And she manages to include a lot more explanation and discussion of the Appalachian region and culture than a lot of books that are a heck of a lot longer. So this one's a personal favorite of mine. Both of these books are examples of how important it is, especially for those of us who are book lovers, to interrogate what we're reading. And even when it feels cynical, we have to also interrogate the motivations behind it. Both of these books will also give you a bunch of other titles to consider if you're interested, which just gives you even more nonfiction to read with a critical and thoughtful lens. So there we have it. Links to both books I talked about are in the show notes. And a huge thanks again to our sponsor. Thank you as well to our wonderful and magical audio editor, Jen Zink, and thanks to all of you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, you can check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts, including one in romance, at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot in your podcast player of choice. Like I said, both of the books that I mentioned today will be in the show notes. You can also find those show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you are a fan of all the books and all the backlist, and you want to show some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We genuinely appreciate your review, and your reviews help other book lovers find us. You can find me mostly on Instagram, because often Twitter is kind of a messy place. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. That is T-R-I-S-H-A-H-A-L-E-Y-B-R-O-W-N. And in the meantime, and until we talk again, please take good care and happy reading. Happy reading.